0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Coming up this week, Disney begins shutting down websites that are selling dining reservations. Orlando airports are seeing an increase in passengers. And this week, we announce a new audio-only show coming to the Diz Unplugged family, as well as our coverage of this year's Food and Wine Festival, all coming up next. From the Bob Varley studio in Orlando, Florida, this is the Diz Unplugged. (laughs) This is The Diz Unplugged, episode 854 for the week of September 29th, 2015. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show, coming to you live from the Bob Varley studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, Steve Jr. Porter. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hello.
0: <laughs> From the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged, our resident Disney historian, Michael Bowling. Hey, there, hi, there, ho, there. Of course, the lovely and talented Jenny Lynn Knopp. Hey, guys. Corey. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the production nook, our newly minted associate producer, Rhino Clavin, along with our newly minted producer, Mr. Craig Williams. Hi, everyone. Minty so, fresh great to be here everyone thank you for joining us and a couple things in housekeeping first and foremost i uh, i want to thank everyone uh who has uh said such nice things about how i look after uh my uh, some some weight loss that you all apparently noticed which i imagine i didn't think you wouldn't notice it um but i do want to address those of you who have reached out to me privately um, asking me if I have cancer or something else is going on. Um, I, can, I, I can promise you to the best of my knowledge I'm not sick. Uh, this has kind of been a, 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 I don't know if I want to use this term, but a perfect storm. Um, back in May uh, I hadn't been managing my diabetes. I'm a type 2 diabetic uh, and I hadn't really been managing it at all, at all. And back in May I got serious about it and didn't go on a diet per se, but I said i gotta i've got to eat for my diagnosis here and and really watch my numbers and and i got my my a1c which is the number on your blood test that tells you what your average blood sugar over the last three months was um for those who are familiar with the a1c you'll be horrified that my number was an 11.2 um which is extraordinarily high very dangerous and uh uh, back in August, I had another one done after managing it and watching it and got it down to a 6.3, I think it was. So my doctor was really happy about that. And he said, you know, but I need, you know, your, your good cholesterol is low. I need you to start exercising. And I told him, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that is not going to happen. Uh, but uh, in the last month, I have uh, kind of gone back to something I used to do a lot when I was younger, And which is walking. Um, I love to walk and it's great for me to clear my head. It's great for me to kind of just process things and, you know, listen to music or whatever. And because I live in a swamp um, right now, which is wet and humid and disgusting, I can't really walk outside. I won't. But I'm fortunate enough to have a family room that is 800 square feet it is 40 feet long by 20 feet wide. And it turns out it is a great place to do laps. <laughs> and so, yeah, anybody looking in from the outside would think I was insane because I'm walking around my living room in a circle. While you watch TV. <laughs> but you know what? Here you go. Here you go. Um, it is a little more rapid than I wanted. And, uh, you know, so I am going to see my doctor next week just to check in and, and let him see. But I am fine, and I appreciate your concern and uh, you know I'm going to take it man I I got into 34s for the first time in 15 years Um, so I'm really happy I went to went 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 clothes shopping well I was clothes shopping last Thursday and got some new clothes and I got into 34s I'm like okay okay it's hell has officially frozen over (laughs) because I just threw out a bunch of clothes that I'm like I'm never getting into these again never getting into these again and lo and behold isn't that the way of it? So thank you for that. I appreciate it, but I'm okay. dokie. Um, I also want to let everyone know that with Dustin's departure, we have decided not to continue doing segments at least for the rest of the year. Uh, we may revisit that in, in January. Uh, instead, when we have something to cover that would normally go uh, into a segment, we're going to be just adding it onto the news show. So we'll be doing elongated news shows from time to time when when it warrants. For example, that's what we're doing this week with our coverage of the Food & Wine Festival. So uh, what we may do is just maybe lob off the Food & Wine portion for the audio feed so that people can either have the full version or just the Food & Wine if that's what they want, stuff like that. But uh, just until we decide which direction we wanna go uh, that's what we're going to be doing, so I wanted to let everyone know that and my script did not update uh, because michael or uh, Tom sent me the I have the Disneyland uh, synopsis so uh, the Disneyland edition of the Dis Unplugged goes live every Sunday night 11 pm eastern 8 pm pacific mixler.com M-I-X-L-R.com. Uh those shows go up Monday and Tuesday on iTunes or on disunplugged.com. and this week
2: Uh, On this week's Disneyland edition, listeners Tyler and Brittany return with a trip report from their Disneyland vacation, and Nancy Johnson talks about checking out a performance at the Hollywood Bowl.
0: Yes, I gave a very good concert. Um, (laughs) All right. So that's the Disneyland edition. Of course, every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, live, disunplugged.com. The ladies of the Diz, Jenny Lynn Knopp and Teresa Eccles, have their show, The Trip. And this is a pre-recorded show this, this week. This is
3: a pre-recorded show. Uh, so, if you want to see
0: in. Dustin again, uh, Dustin is actually on that show.
3: Yes, um, we all went to Cafe Tutu Tango on International Drive, so we're doing a dining room. I review. love that
0: place. Yeah, <laughs> no,
3: Tutu that's Tango's why Teresa great. Teresa was like, "We got to go to Cafe Tutu Tango." Corey loves that place.
4: So, <laughs> <laughs> you don't um, <laughs> say. I hear Corey loves that yeah.
0: place.
3: <laughs> we should go. So, yep, that will be this week's episode.
0: That's one p.m. Eastern Time Wednesday. disunplug.com. And on Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, DizUnplugged.com, the universal edition of The Diz Unplugged, starring our own producer, our very own producer, Craig Williams, along with uh, Jenny Lenop, associate producer, Rhino Clavin. And... uh, what are you doing this week, Greg?
2: I think we might go to cafe tutu tango. Cause I hear so many good things about it from Corey. Um, uh, no, this week we're going to talk a little bit about the classic monsters Ooh. and where you can find them this Halloween season.
0: Oh, cool. Ooh. Cool. Good Spooky. idea. That's a, that's a, that's a nice take on a, a topic. Good. I know nothing about the, honestly, yeah. I do not exercise any editorial control over these shows. I let these guys do what they want. And, uh, you know, works out pretty well. Everybody's numbers are good. So as long as the numbers are good, I don't care. Um, and as long as I'm not getting hate mail because, you know, they're <laughs> like burning crosses on the lawn or something. So um, so that's the Universal Edition of the Diz Unplugged, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and while we are talking about the shows in the Diz Unplugged family of the cavalcade of stars, <laughs> um, I am really, really happy to announce that we are launching a new Audio-only show that uh, will be going up. Uh, well, we'll explain the release uh, to you in a little bit. But uh, I wanted to do something special and different for our listeners. Uh, we certainly put a lot of effort here into uh, the video version of our show, and we we know that you know people enjoy listening to that. You know, the vast majority of our audience uh, is audio-only. They don't watch. They listen. Even though we have a nice size audience watching the show. Um, And I wanted to throw some love at the listeners. And this isn't the only idea I have, but this is the first one to come to fruition. And uh, for those of you who have ever listened to the Disneyland version of The Dis Unplugged, uh, you know that Michael Bowling does some amazing, amazing history segments. He is a true Disney historian, knows it like the back of his hand. So we asked Michael to do a special series on the history of Walt Disney World. And that is going to be going up... What's the date? I know it's going up on Fridays. October but 2nd. October 2nd will be episode. the first one. And we will be, uh, uh, we'll be doing a month's worth of shows. So you'll have mm-hmm. them every Friday for the month of October. Then the next round of them will come up in January. So let's talk to Michael for a little bit. Michael, just give everybody a little bit of your background. You have a very special connection to... Walt Disney and the Disney Company. And I think just people should know a little bit more about that.
5: I do. Um, I was, when I was a boy, I did a, a bit of acting. And one of the things that I did was, uh, you know, everybody's familiar with the original Mickey Mouse Club in the 50s. And they were first introduced b- before the television show went on the air. They were introduced at the opening day of Disneyland. And everybody wondered, who are they? And when, what Walt envisioned for the club was that there'd be a new club for every generation. And the Mickey Mouse Club went off the air after about three years. And he had some disputes with ABC, and then he ultimately switched over to NBC. But he couldn't take any of his programs with them, like Zorro and um, and Mickey Mouse Club and a couple of other things he was doing. And so, he, uh, so the club ended. And then when the 10th anniversary, when they started planning for the 10th anniversary of Disneyland... Walt uh, started thinking this might be a good time to look at bringing the club back. So we hired a group of children and we started and I was one of them. I was one of the Musketeers, and we started to perform and rehearse at the studio and then we would be brought out to the park and we would do a special show in an area of Disneyland that is now known for, for the Magic Eye Theater. Well, that's called the Tomorrowland Theater and Space Mountain sit there now, but there was a stage and we would basically do a mini Mickey Mouse Club there, but our special guest stars were always the original Mouseketeers. Mm. So that was very special. And um, so we were the Disneyland chapter of the Mickey Mouse Club. And what what and then there, there, what happened over the course of time? The the Tinsenio ran its course. It did not go for eighteen months as they do <laughs> these days. It ran the summer and all that. And but we had been performing for a while, and then the decision needed to be made: what was going to happen with this chapter? And ultimately, the decision was made that it would be more cost effective to re-syndicate the original show in 30 minute segments because it had originally been an hour show and and send that out rather than restarting the club so we were um, we were we took off our ears and um, left we were done but Walt's vision for the club ultimately did happen uh, there was a new club in the 70s and then another new club in the 80s so that his concept of a generational club um, did continue on for a time, so that was uh, so that was my uh, connection with the
0: class, which is, I I think is just yeah. Yeah, it's such a cool story. Um, so, the connecting with Walt series that we're about to launch, uh, talk about what we're what we're going to hear uh, come come October uh, with these shows.
5: Right. Well, the the 60 years of Disneyland series that I've been doing on the Disneyland show have been so popular uh, and that um, I know we were getting a lot of requests for sort of a Walt Disney World version, mm-hmm. and so connecting with Walt. The reason we're not saying like a, you know, 45 years of. Disney World or something, is because it's going to be a very broad show. It's not only going to deal with Disney World, but it's going to be the history of anything around Disney. It might be films, might be attractions. Having these event shows where we have a full month would allow us to have a themed month, where maybe we look at all the attractions having a significant, uh, you know, uh, anniversary in the coming year, whatever it may be, and or maybe a movie month where we look at the history of films that were uh, made that are having anniversaries, but yeah, we're going to focus though on Walt Disney World coming up. Uh, Craig and I have already recorded. There's two episodes in the can. And, of course, by that I mean they're recorded on the laptop. Craig takes with him to the bathroom. And uh, And supposed so, to tell the secrets. <laughs> so it, it really is starting out with uh, we, we do uh, – uh, Disney World originated from two different areas. There's the creative origination, and that's Walt. Uh, so we take, a, we really look at who Walt was, what made him tick, and how did his vision, his personality, his outlook for the future affect affect Disney World and his concept for. Th- the Epcot, the Environmental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Uh, we, we, look, we talk about a presentation, Brad Bird, the Pixar director and the director of Tomorrowland, did, uh, the film, uh, did at the Walt Disney Family Museum recently, and we explore how Walt's vision for the future became society's vision for the future. Yeah. When you think about when we were young, we had a very positive vision for our future. We knew we were going to have issues, but we believed we were going to overcome them for a positive future. Now we have a very uh, apocalyptic yeah, view a good word, of the yeah. future where, you know, we better enjoy our time now because what's coming is going to be worse. How did that change? And what we're going to suggest is it changed when we no longer have Walt Disney's vision of the future to listen to every week on television and to see created for us. Mm -hmm. So that's our first episode. Our second episode is, uh, with the success of Disneyland, Walt got offers from across the country uh, for him to build a, a Disneyland in towns and states. Uh, all around the United States. And usually Walt very politely turned them down. But there were a few projects that piqued his interest. And so Craig and I are going to explore several of the projects that almost came to be. And I think you'll find some Mm -hmm. of them surprising. And some of them had effects on Disneyland and Disney World in the long run.
0: I am very very excited about this. We've been talking about it for mm-hmm. a while now, and uh, so October second, Friday, October second, the first episode of connecting with Walt uh, with Michael Bowling yeah. will go up. Uh, it'll be on the Disunplugged iTunes feed, this iTunes feed that you get this show on, and uh, of course, Disunplugged.com. It'll be there, and I really hope we get shirts soon because the the, the <laughs> logo that Will Perry came up with. For the show, yeah, it's really I cool. am just over the moon about. I want it on a shirt in the worst way. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the show. It's going to fill such a I get, huge gap. I get oh, what I want. <laughs> I want the shirts. I
6: do too.
2: <laughs> I I had to find myself at several times, like finding questions that I needed to continue asking. Otherwise, I would have just sat there and listened in awe the entire time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's brilliant. People oh, are going to love you. it.
5: And what I would like to suggest is, I talked about the creative. Uh, the, the creative foundation for Disney World was Walt Disney, but the, the uh, physical creation of it, foundation, is Disneyland. So for, I, to really, I think, appreciate what we're going to talk about on Connecting with Walt, you have to understand Disneyland, And what went into Disneyland? And the thing is, is that the building of Disneyland is really the story of Walt in many ways. So if you haven't already listened to, I'm going to plug um, the Disneyland show. If you haven't already listened to the segments, um, the history segments that I've done on Disney, on the Disneyland podcast, um, you know, the Windows to the Magic ones, some of the ones I've done in the Walt Disney Family Museum, and the 60 Years of Disneyland, I really recommend you go and listen to those because some of what I'm going to talk about is happening concurrently with those episodes that I've discussed, but we're going to be branching off really soon. But if you want to get a good grasp of Disney World – it's critical to understand what was going on in California. Good point. And so, so I think you'll enjoy those segments.
0: Great. Well, we're thrilled that you're doing this, Mike. I'm always happy to have you here, so we're oh, glad thank you can you. join us.
5: Yes, it's always nice to come back to the Dis Vatican.
0: <laughs> I guess that makes me the Pope. Well, you have a ring. I do. I have, I have the big ring on. So. Um, all right. Uh, anything else for housekeeping before we move on? All right, so let's go and talk about the news. Uh, As I had said last week when Jackie Waller, the spokesperson for Disney World, said we are investigating the websites uh, that are selling dining reservations. I had said last week that what that means is that legal is dotting the I's and crossing the T's. So earlier this month, it was reported that Walt Disney World was investigating the restaurant reservation services that have begun popping up online and selling reservations to theme park guests. Several of the services, including Disney Dining Buddy, Disney Dining Scout, and WDW Table Finder, all charge between $1 and $8 to search for open reservation times. The users of these sites must then call and make their own reservations. Another website, Diz Dining Agent, which is not affiliated with us or our site, Uh, Actually would make the reservations under false names for hard-to-get restaurants at Walt Disney World and then sell those reservations to customers for $15 Uh, Disney Dining Buddy had posted on their Facebook page earlier in the week that Disney has asked them to shut down Here's the message that was posted on their Facebook page dear loyal customers Disney has requested that we discontinue our services as currently provided and we have honored that request and there's more there you can go find it yourself Um, None of these websites, by the way, as I said, are affiliated with us. Uh, And I I just, I want to kind of address something with this. I'm going to get myself maybe in a little bit of trouble with some people, but um, I get why people are upset about this. These reservations are hard to get. And then these companies are scooping them up and charging you for them. And um, not a business model I would have picked, Personally, but, um, you know, our entire way of living in this country has been built on entrepreneurs looking for opportunities to fill a need. And either by design or just by lack of imagination, Disney has allowed this need to exist these reservations are coveted the number of times I have heard people say my vacation will be ruined my children will be scarred for life if they don't get into Cinderella's Royal Table or now be our guest or dinner at Le Cellier or whatever the hot reservation du jour might be I've heard it over and over and over again and I get it but because of that crazed need and because of the current system Disney has these cropped up now we can argue the ethics of it I don't think you know it's a gray area some people are acting like you're paying them to murder your enemies or something I mean (laughs) the, the reaction to some it's a little ridiculous um and the bottom line is in a capitalist society, this is what happens. And I don't, you know, like, again, it's not a business model I would have gone with. And I'm, that's me. I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm so morally superior. It's not just wouldn't have been something I would have gone with. But I think demonizing the people who did this, who started, I think is, is, is a little bit much because I've seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of that on the boards, seen a lot of it on Facebook. Um, because, and especially because we all know the deal. We all know the deal. You know, oh, how dare you do this? Here's my $15. Can I have that reservation? <laughs> yeah. Okay? It's the same thing when Disney raises ticket prices. I'm not going back. How much are they? Um, so I think everybody needs to dial it down to a five. Um, it's Disney's responsibility to close these loopholes. Okay? The loopholes exist. Disney is popular. And as we will talk about in the next story, getting more popular. And as long as that continues to be, opportunities will present themselves for entrepreneurs to look for ways to meet a need that Disney isn't. Now, I also said last week, and I'm going to stand by this prediction, that I would say it is 60% likely that in the course of the next 12 months, Disney is themselves is going, are, are going to start doing this.
6: I agree. That
0: they are going to start saying, you know what? For an additional $20, you can have these premium reservations. And you know what's going to happen? People are going to pound their chest and pound the desk and yell and, oh, my God, and then hand over their money yeah. because yep. that's what we do. And if you're going to pay for it, shut up. same thing with the ticket price increases if you're going to pay it shut up and if you're not going to pay it say you're not going to pay it then stick to it then shut up okay so um, but yeah it was obvious when when Disney uses the phrase we are investigating been around long enough to know legal start in the eyes and what this is our cease and desist letters were sent out and I knew that was going to happen and um you know, and I have no problem with that. That's you know, Disney saying, nope, 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 can't do that. You know? Honestly, with where the internet is concerned, Disney has been incredibly liberal. Uh, when I started the Diz back in nineteen ninety seven, this was the era of Disney legal going after anyone that even like did anything. There was that that epic story of the daycare center somewhere down here Even that Helen had painted Dorothy. Disney characters mm-hmm. on the side of the uh, uh, of their building, and Disney went after them. So I remember like the first two or three years I had this site, I lived in mortal fear. <laughs> I lived in mortal fear of that happening. And Disney has been, I think, incredibly liberal in terms of what they've allowed with the web. And I think it took them a few years to figure out where, where it worked for them and where it was okay for them and where it wasn't. And you still got to be careful with the three circles. I mean, how you use those on your website, but
6: I mean, other than that, yeah. Well, even using um, Walt Disney's image,
5: that's copyrighted. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we, we, I know when I first talked to Will about the logo for Connecting with Walt, I mentioned to him, I don't think we can use Walt's no, image no. in it, and or even an outline. Yeah. And even a Walt Disney family, to use his name and image for the museum, Walt Disney Family Museum in San Francisco, they had to get permission from the Walt Disney oh. Company yeah, to do it.
0: Yeah. No, it's that's the way of it. It's the way of it. But so I'm not surprised that this happened. Um, but let's stop demonizing the people that were entrepreneurial in spirit, saw a need, tried to fill it. And, you know, it didn't work out. But you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. As an entrepreneur myself, I'm not going to I'm not going to judge that. I'm not going to. Like I said, it wouldn't have been my choice. But that's not from a moral place. That's just from a business standpoint. I'm, I, I wouldn't have done it. But I, I think the demonization of these people probably should, should, should stop. Um, but that's my opinion. So, all right. Orlando airports are seeing an increase in passengers. The Orlando area airports are experiencing an increase in arriving passengers compared to the same period last year. Direct nonstop flights coming into Orlando International and nearby Orlando Sanford are on track to see an 11% increase in seat capacity from the fourth quarter of 2014. Overall this year, it's been up about 9%, with uh, passengers from Brazil up 101%, seats from the United Kingdom up 19%, and Canada up 7 and uh, Visit Orlando, the area's marketing division, says the total seat capacity is up 10% and the year has shown consistent growth uh, of 9% throughout the year. And they're expecting it to go up to 11 in the fourth quarter. I mean, this is great news for, you know, those of us in the travel industry here. Um, You know, I'm a co-owner in Dreams Unlimited Travel and, you know, I certainly love it when I hear Mm -hmm. the numbers going up because that means the interest is is increasing with the kind of development that's going on here, especially the competition happening between Universal and Disney. It is just driving more and more people into Orlando. Of course, the economy is getting better, so that's certainly helping. And again, with this increase in number of people, more people want to be here, and that's why services like... His Dining Buddy and the rest of them can exist because it's popular. It's popular, and this is why Disney will continue to raise ticket prices because people are coming and people are paying it.
4: I I want to give people a note on this, too, because um, when I went to the um, New England meet, uh, uh, whatever, uh, two weekends ago, um, I got to the airport like an hour and 45 minutes before my flight, and I thought, plenty of time, it's fine, and um, it took me... Almost an hour to make it to the TSA agent just to sign with my ID, my plane ticket. And then it took 45 minutes for me to get through, to get to the security line. And then at Orlando, you have to get on uh, monorail. That's
0: unusual, though.
4: Yeah. And it, it's interesting because the last couple of times I've gone, I've noticed it seems to be a little busier. So on top of it being busier, I also think the Orlando... International Airport is going through um, some staffing issues is because that's what I heard everybody saying so I'm just going to say to anybody who's here and they're going back home you know make sure you give yourself that extra amount of time because I almost missed my flight even though I was there the almost the two hours ahead of time so that shouldn't happen I got to the gate right when they called my seat so I if it had been Fifteen more minutes, I probably would have missed my
6: flight. Well wow. we gave uh, Sanford uh, Airport a shot mm-hmm. uh, a few a few months ago because of you know we're, we're in the Lake Mary area, so it's really close. But that also meant that we had to give Allegiant Air a shot too, and uh, we're never going back to Sanford. But it's a beautiful airport. It's very small, and you, you go through security checks with no wait. I just wish they would bring Southwest or something yeah. there. Well, something uh,
0: I know that uh, that Sanford is a popular airport for people coming in internationally. I know a lot of yep. uh, a lot of Brits, a lot of tour companies that are operating out of Great Britain uh, are flying people into into Sanford, uh, but it's what about forty five minutes outside of town, isn't it?
6: From yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, so that's why I never even briefly thought about. I live so close to Orlando International that it's like, I mean, literally my house is over like one of the approach paths. So, um, every, every so often they'll be like, Oh, is it coming into my living room? <laughs> or, um, but it's weird. Cause I can, well, when my, Furniture was positioned differently. I have a huge skylight in the middle of my, my family room. I could sit on the couch and see planes going overhead. It was kind of weird.
5: Well, what Carol and I signed up for was that TSA pre-check, mm-hmm. where it's like 80 $85, and it lasts several years. And uh, you go; they investigate you and all that. But um, it's fantastic. It has saved me so many times because I run into what Ryan is talking about. I think I've gotten to the airport plenty of time, and then the line is is <laughs> almost as long as if I walked to the destination. But TSA PreCheck, I just walk right through.
0: Right.
1: So uh, people who travel a lot might want to look into that program. I I think with increasing numbers coming in, more people coming in, I wonder if we're going to see more stuff like the hub expansion in other parks or like so, guest occupancy is, I mean, not just like adding attractions, but adding like additional space in places just because
6: avoiding the bottlenecks,
1: avoiding, yeah, like spots where like at Peter Pan and uh, it's a small world, you can't, there needs to be like some sort of alternative route there. I mean, the more and more people I was looking, Uh, These are old numbers. So this is before even this report. But from 2009 till 2014, the Magic Kingdom saw 2 million more people. So Mm. if that trend increases, and these numbers clearly show that it's increasing even more than that trend, uh, they got to do something. I mean, it's getting crazy.
0: Yeah. And and, and capacity is becoming an issue. I mean, just in general, in the parks and the hotels, uh, you know, where... I mean, Disney still has a lot of undeveloped land. Let's keep that in mind, too. And um, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you're, you're going to see Universal in the next year announce a third gate, and then Disney's going to have to respond. And I think we're going to see a fifth gate at Disney at some point, announced at some point in the next two to four years. Um, I don't think that if if you know if that trend continues if this they've got to have a place for these people to go they're not going to turn away the money they're not and they shouldn't And Disney this is one area where Disney has a major competitive advantage over Universal. They have a lot more land that they currently own that can be developed. Right now in order to open up, a third gate universal is going to have to buy back all that land on iDrive that they sold years ago. And at this point they're going to have to pay 10 times oh,
4: yeah.
0: what they sold it for to get it back. Oh, but they got a, they got a corporate parent with deep pockets. So who knows?
5: Sorry. Is there anything on that land once they sold it? Did it get? Oh, developed?
2: sure.
0: Sure. It's been developed. Okay. Absolutely.
2: And that's a problem. There's a ton of hotels that went up specifically right around the wet and wild area. And that's, what's going to cause the most issues because those hotels i mean they fill up especially during uh, busier times of year they fill up quickly so they can really drive that price up because they can they can prove that they have occupancy there sure so it'll be tough for them but
0: yeah all right yeah. that is going to do it uh, that's going to do it for the news we're going to move on to rapid fire and i will start with junior
1: all right let me open mine up it um Disney announced uh, that they're opening, um, officially announced uh, to add vacation club units to the Wilderness Lodge, like additional units. Um, that there was a rumor in May. Uh, the company filed uh, permits with the South Florida Water Management District. Uh, show construction to show construction plans for the resort. Uh, the press release currently calls for the resort to feature deluxe. Uh, waterfront cabins. So I'm, I don't know if that's... It's
0: going to be very... I think it's going to be somewhat similar water, to what uh, what they did at uh, Polynesian.
1: So, yeah. And that was
5: something that was originally planned for the Grand Floridian. Oh, wow. And so now they're just building them over at Wilderness Lodge. They were going to be honeymoon cottages at the Grand Floridian.
1: Um, so yeah, it's scheduled to undergo this substantial enhancement. Um. It includes new recreation and food and beverage options. So I wonder if they're going to put in new restaurants or if they're gonna take down some of the stuff that's there and make new stuff I don't know but it's pretty exciting
0: okay thank you Stephen.
1: it'll be
5: interesting to see if what they do with river country then because it's supposed to go in right near there
3: I was gonna say I went parasailing a couple weeks ago and the guy who was um, driving the boat for the parasailing on uh, Bay Lake hinted that river country was gonna be involved in that development of the DVC units that'd be huge but obviously, that's not official. That was, that was uh, just, just the cast member telling me what he, you know, had heard. So.
0: All right, Michael. He
5: yeah, well, since I'm the Disneyland ambassador, <laughs> um, but uh, and I, I was disappointed. In my plaid. Vest and my riding crop wasn't laid out here. <laughs>
6: you didn't kiss the ring yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, really. <laughs> but,
5: but something's happening at Disneyland that is going to happen here in Florida. So we're getting, we're giving you all a sneak peek here. Um, Disneyland has officially announced the Star Wars Experience. Mm-hmm. At Disneyland in Southern California and Disneyland Hollywood Studios in Florida, it's going to be opening at Disneyland on November sixteenth. It's the season of the Force. Um, guests are going to meet some of their favorite Star Wars characters and enjoy new rides inspired by films. And this is a little misleading, I think. They said on opening day, five attractions are going to set to be open, including the Star Wars launch. And I think they're using, they're being really fast and loose with the term attractions here. Um, but Air it's going quotes. To, yeah, it's going to be special exhibits and sneak peeks into um, the upcoming Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, Hyperspace Mountain is going to be a, a, a new overlay for our Space Mountain. It's going to provide guests the opportunity to join an X-Wing starfighter battle. And so that's going to be interesting to see how they redress Um, space mountain for that in december so i guess that was attraction one
0: in december um i'm sorry and this is going to be happening this is happening at disneyland disneyland and eventually coming to they
5: said it will not happen at disney world because your star wars land is going to be over at hollywood studios but ours is in disneyland park although it's on the other side of the park right so um a hyperspace mount well i'm sorry i talked about that um are in december jedi training trials of the temple will show new twists on jedi training and will also introduce new characters from the disney xd series star wars rebels our and what you're also going to get is our star wars attraction is going to get a new scene inspired by the upcoming film star wars the force awakens and We're also going to, in um, the gallery, there's going to be authentic pieces of stormtrooper armor and Sith lightsabers and rebel um, flight helmets and lightsabers once wielded by Jedi Knights. And what's interesting is what got lost in all of this was that Innoventions is now going to be renamed um, the Tomorrowland Expo. And um, (laughs) of course some of us still call it the Carousel of Progress building. (laughs) <laughs> and um so the starship and the preview galleries will have props from the upcoming film and other movies in the Star Wars saga. They're also going to have a Disney Infinity 3.0 game that is going to have um, park exclusive toy box levels. Hmm. And anyway, so along with that, so so anyway, they they've not announced an official opening date yet for Season of the Force at your soon to be formally named Disney Hollywood Studios in Florida. Um, But along with that announcement is at Disneyland, they also announced starting in January, that major sections of Disneyland are going to be closed for over a year. So the Disneyland Railroad and all four stations are going to be closed down. (gasps) Fantasmic will be closed. Rivers of America will be closed, which includes Mark Twain, um, Riverboat, the sailing ship Columbia, and the Davy Crockett Explorer Canoes are all going to be born, and um, Pirate Solaire on Tom Sawyer Island. So they said all of these attractions will reopen in the future, but they are not giving a date at all. Uh, There's 300 um, cast members affected by this, but they're all going to be um, found positions within the park. And they did confirm our whole Big Thunder Ranch area going away. Is, is going to be closed down permanently for the Star Wars expansion, All right. So, but not not Big Thunder um, Mountain
0: Railway. Okay. So, so that's it. Thank you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Jenny Lynn.
3: Uh, my news is that Pirates of the Caribbean has reopened after it's been down for a while for rehab. It now has new paint and some restoration work and a few enhanced special effects, Including water based smoke and strobes for weather effects. In addition to that, some new scents have been added to Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm not sure what those scents are though. Beer. Is it? <laughs> Run. <Roll>. Alcohol. That <Roll. laughs> um, the audio animatronic figures have been rebuilt and given new costumes in order to make them look more lifelike.
0: Oh. I can't wait to see it. I know. When did it kind reopen? Excited
3: it's already reopened when did it reopen oh um, Saturday yeah it was really just a couple days ago
0: I have to Hmm. try and get down there and see it it's one of my favorite attractions
2: we'll get a ride through up as soon as possible okay tonight Um, (laughs) probably not tonight Tonight. because we'll get that on uh, Rhinos Rapid Fire but probably tomorrow since the trip's pre-recorded
0: all right (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Jalen. Corey.
6: All right. Night of Joy is expanding in 2016. If you don't know what it is, they feature contemporary Christian performers. Um, They'll be expanding to ESPN Wild World of Sports instead of the Magic Kingdom. Concerts will be held both indoor and outdoor venues, allowing more guests to attend and weather to not affect the event. The guests will still receive admission to the Magic Kingdom and dedicated transportation will still be provided between the two locations, the pricing um, will be comparable to previous years
0: okay, so you 're paying the same amount of money, but you're not it 's a hard ticket event so you 're paying the same amount of money for the hard ticket, but you 're not getting any of the attractions in the magic kingdom for it
6: well they 're still going to allow you um, to they 're going to give you a ticket to the magic kingdom and they 'll provide transportation back and forth. I think because this is such a popular event this usually happens around the second week of September that it always sells out and okay. it, this is going to allow people to more people to attend and
0: okay.
2: Well, this will also show how popular the event actually is in terms of the concerts themselves. Like, are all these youth groups coming down to go and watch the concerts, or are they just going to go to the parks? Because if they, you know, if they have this huge expansion over at Wide World of Sports, and then there's 13 people standing outside <laughs> watching With their writers. then they're gonna have to really restart, thinking, like the whole entire process on it. But
6: yeah, I'm interested. I think they're they saw a need and they're expanding. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Corey. Rhino.
4: Um, so mine is that the Morimoto um, uh, Asia is opening on September 30th, which is tomorrow. That's the uh, Iron Chef restaurant they've put into Disney Springs Um Disney Springs. That's what we're. Is that somebody else's? That's what we're officially no, calling no, no, it. So jump on there. That. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, and that's the same day that that officially becomes Disney Springs. As well. Oh, is, is it I had originally read today, Tuesday. They so want oh, it, it is Tuesday. Springs. I'm sorry. We'll I thought it was Monday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's cool. I saw all the signs were up for it, and um, they it's actually been functioning because they've been doing cast member previews for the last week, and I've heard some good things. So, I look forward to uh,
6: checking that one out. I. I had sushi there in New York because I wanted to try it out, and you would not believe what my bill was. It was just me eating sushi. It was four hundred dollars. Oh,
5: what? Oh. Oh. How much did you eat? I, my
6: weight. I was just going to say, but yeah, I but wanted what's to a try everything. Normal,
4: normal, normal bill for you though. What's that? What's What's an average bill for you at a regular sushi? R-
6: like about one hundred and fifty. Okay. All right. Let's let's do some math on that. <laughs> Pig. <one. laughs>
0: no, the man can eat. You 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 want to you you want to see just breathtaking gluttony <laughs> go with him to Shula's when he orders the prime rib and it ends up looking like a bone dipped in acid it's like this 26 ounce prime rib and it's gone and it is it's breathtaking gluttony that will be the that will be the uh, title of your okay that's good autobiography <laughs> or on my headstone mine is going to be genuflecting <laughs> at the altar of crazy um, so so <laughs> right, well, thank you, Corey. Um, what do you mean, thank you, Corey? Thank you, Rhino. Oh, Rhino. Rhino, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I forgot. I, it, was just, it was all about Corey. Um, he's much more important to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Craig Burns. Yeah, um, before we get into mine, uh, just to follow up on Rhino's, uh, Corey and I will be trying out Morimoto's tonight, Morimoto Asia, uh, it, the grand reveal of the new Disney Springs name, like it's a joke, so... Uh, watch our social media for all that coverage of course uh, mine is to go along with more star wars news uh Jedi training academy finally got its closing date and it will be set to close on october 4th uh, it will be back of course but it will be the new revamped show um, as part of all the changes that they're making and it will be uh, coming back as jedi training trials of the temple but no uh, date yet set for that uh Grand opening on that one.
3: Isn't that going to have more of a Star Wars Rebel focus? Yeah, yeah, it's going to have the. I
4: think it's going to have the. I think the villain might end up being that that guy from the cartoon show, that Inquisitor character is, what I believe.
2: Yeah, regardless of what the story is, I, I mean, kids always love it, and it yeah. always fills up to actually get in to be a part of the show early on in the day. But to see a fresh show uh, every now and then, that w- that would be nice. And I hope they can revisit the old one too every time to time.
3: I do, too. It's such a great experience. My kids got to do it once when they were a little bit younger, and it was a fantastic thing from a parent's perspective to be able to watch your kids do that. It's so cute.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you, Craig. You're welcome. All right. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is the uh, Friday. Last Friday was the beginning of the 20th year, 20th annual Epcot Food and Wine Festival, which... Everyone looks forward to. I did not go with the team on Friday, uh, but uh, they did. And uh, we got an email recently from someone who pointed out something that we need to be better at remembering, which is that not everybody knows all the details about this stuff, and we tend to go into it uh, like you do. And so just to give everybody who may not be familiar a little bit of an overview about Uh, the Epcot food and wine festival. This is an annual event. The 20th year is this year. And what happens is all around world showcase kiosks are set up representing different countries. And each of these kiosks will have two or three different dishes native to that country, along with selection of uh, wines that you can pair with it again, native to that, that region or that country. And you can use your Disney dining plan, snack credits, for most of these, most of the food items, and uh, prices range anywhere from let's Usually say between four and six like dollars. Between four per and five. six dollars, some are more expensive depending on where you are, what you're getting. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's an incredible experience, and it's it's a it's a very very popular. Uh, we were there Friday, or you guys were there Friday, and. Uh, From what I understand, the crowds were extraordinary.
3: Intense, yeah.
0: And so we have a little bit of an overview that has been put together by these guys. And I hope I get back from the bathroom before it finishes because I can't wait. (laughs) So here is a look at this year's Food and Wine Festival. All right. Well, thank you for that overview, Craig. Um, so let's talk about uh, what has changed this year. Those who have been before, uh, what's new this year, and what can they expect?
3: They have a couple new booths. Uh, they have the wine. They have the wine studio and the cheese studio there, which uh, you know, are kind of self-explanatory. And then they have um, two new booths centered on the the show, the Chew. So there's the Sustainable Chew, which features sustainable agriculture as the ingredients of their meals. And then there's just the chew lab, which is supposed to uh, feature futuristic type hmm. foods.
6: And another point about these is that this is the first time they've expanded into future world. And I, I think this isn't going to be the end of that. I I think years from now, we're going to see be a full park
0: full of booths, which I don't mind it.
3: I agree. I, I actually think that's a good idea because it helps disperse the crowd.
0: I was just going to say that uh, if if opening day was that crowded and just seeing some of the pictures I've seen and that video, uh, they're going to have to start, they're going to have to start expanding. It's so incredibly popular.
2: Mm-hmm. And I know I was a little bit, uh, harsh whenever we first announced that it was going to be extending, expanding into future world. Uh, but I thought it was tastefully done too. They were very smart about how they planned and put everything. Mm-hmm. Like I figured something was going to go right in that section where they always put up like the jungle gym playground for, uh, for flower and garden, but then where they actually did put the Chew booths, yeah. I mean, it it fit into
6: that area, and it looked nice. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't put it, like, next to the bog yeah. or, you know, right, right near the fountains. It was kind of off to the side. And yeah, it that seemed it to also
3: p- fit very seamlessly into the theme of Future World as well. You know, the Chew Lab and the sustainable Chew, that kind of all goes sort of along the lines of, you know, the land pavilion right. and so on mm. and so forth.
2: Well, and actually, these were two of the best booths overall i know Corey was in love with uh the one thing he got at the chew lab despite
6: the portion size right I, that was uh my vote for the best presentation when you go to these the the presentation is so much well, what better. what was the item it was yeah. the uh, new york strip uh parsnip silk balsamic glaze and arugula foam out of all the meat not meals of uh, the samples i had this had the variety of flavors just in this one dish it wasn't very big it was the first item i ordered for the my entire day there i was like oh no hope the whole day is not going to be like this how much was it it was 625
0: mm. <laughs> six wow five. juniors on it
2: <laughs> uh well i had the salmon here too and uh, same thing it was just bursting with flavor uh first first thing we had during the day and it actually it set a decent bar, especially because of the fact that it's a brand new booth and the items were really uh, well thought out there. And uh, we had in the video not uh, photos of it here, but um, in the next day then I got to try like the the ice cream that they were serving there, which was like flash fry with not nitrogen. fried but flash drops into nitrogen, so it was hard on the outside and pretty much hard on the inside too, and then drizzled with a bourbon caramel and almonds and i i had seconds of it, <laughs> it so much and uh, they also at the chew lab that's where they have one of their most creative uh drinks that they had there the smoking hibiscus which they also put a hibiscus flower drop it in the nitrogen and then pull it back up and it's frozen and creates a smoky effect really really good booth that you need to check out if you're going
0: okay what else in terms of favorites my or- favorite Yeah,
1: My favorite was the pork belly in Brazil. I think that was a lot of people's Mm -hmm. favorites. Um, It was pretty good. Yeah, it was was actually the first time I've ever had pork
2: belly, uh, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, no, last year the pork belly was the... um I think it was one of our highlights in terms of pretty much everyone that went. I think we got at least like four or five different orders from our group. Yeah, that that's went.
6: five five dollars and fifty cents for that. That's one of my go to uh, ones. I go to, I go to pork belly and I also go to the grilled lamb in Australia. I always have my go tos. Um, they're not necessarily the the ones that are going to fill you up,
0: but well, I think that's true for a lot of people. They they have the dishes that are always there every year that they like and that they look forward to. And I think Disney kind of knows which ones are popular and they make sure those stay because I think you'd be upset if you lost your pork belly, your your lamb.
4: I like how like a lot of the favorites, like I feel like escargot is a pretty like a (laughs) staple for the the France. France, Yeah, Yeah, sure. And I like that it's, it's like reinvented every year, you know, with some mistakes. Um, but like this year it was in a, a, like a croissant croissant with like this sauce drizzled on top of it. And, um, I, I I, was I, I liked it a lot because before it used to have been
6: like these little individual bread bowls, and it's, I didn't care for it. It's like changed three years. Uh, this is my vote for the most improved item mm-hmm. for food wine. Last year it was on a little tart, which. Everybody, hate, I mean, the majority of the people I heard from hated it. And the year before, it was in like these little bread bowls. Yeah, I remember the bread with bowls. With butter inside and a little cap on top. But yeah. I think this is the most improved over
0: last year.
3: Yeah. I like how Corey has little awards designated I do. for it's each food. entree. It's food. Like, <laughs> it's like the Oscars of the Food and Wine <laughs> yeah. Festival.
0: What was your favorite?
3: Um, I'll be very honest. I didn't have anything that really stood out to me. Um, Last year, I did all of the the vegan stuff, and I only ate, you know, the special dietary items. This year, I didn't. I ate other things. And, And even with that, there wasn't anything that really grabbed me. I was going to try to do more of the special dietary items. But they didn't have the vegan booth, first of all. So the only vegan item that I really saw that was available was the vegan moussaka, which you can see right there and as appetizing as it appears I to hated be.
6: taking that photo. Terrible <laughs> presentation. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. It looked like dried
0: old cat food. Yeah, it does. Oh. It's terrible. It,
2: the comments on the video, because I forgot about them when we were there in person, but listening back to it, I think some. I think Rhino said it looked like the alien face sucker. Yeah, Um <laughs> that, like, or that was said an expletive.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so um, I did actually ingest this. And did it taste
0: better than it looked?
3: Yeah, I mean it didn't taste bad, but it wasn't something where I was like, "I, I oh had my a God. Bite. You know, it was nothing like that. Whereas last year, I really enjoyed the vegan booth. They did have vegetarian items. They had quite a few of them, um, and I think that they had you know kind of made a thing of we've expanded and have even more this year but in truth if you look at the items that are available i think the majority of those items are desserts they're not actually like entree type items the v ve- the vegetarian items are often you know it's the coconut candy in brazil or whatever it is it's sugar 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 and more sugar and you know that's of course very few desserts i can't think of a single one that has meat in it you know you don't eat meat for dessert basically so um, no, you unless
4: you're Cory yeah <laughs>
3: <laughs> so um, but there was let's see i did eat the vegetarian ravioli in italy i think that one's kind of hit or miss cuz i actually i had it twice i had it the day that we were all there together and it wasn't really that great it might have been the weather the weather was really it depends on how really, the microwaves
6: working i really I think that's so. it. i guess so it was
3: i mean it it looked like it, it looked like a tv dinner when it came out um it tasted not much better than that the first time I had it, but then I did have it again uh, yesterday because I went back back again yesterday, and yesterday it was actually pretty decent. And it was pretty good. So, but I didn't have anything that really nothing you
0: know, really stuck. No, I mean out.
3: I had I I had the the pork belly in Brazil that was good. I enjoyed it. I um, really liked the bean part of it though. Um, and then um, I also had the duck in China, which was really good as well. But again, not anything... It was on this, like, interesting bread, and I couldn't quite figure it out if I liked it or didn't. Like, it was very doughy. Do we have a picture of that, right? No. The, yes, it was in the video. The,
2: yeah, oh, yeah, we have the video. video of it. <laughs> um, in the okay.
3: Picture. Hello, JL. I didn't realize yes, you did pre- the slideshow.
2: <laughs> I am present here today.
3: Okay. Um, it's this very. It was this very doughy bread, and hard to explain, and fluffy, and it I, was I, similar I, to I like the, the, the steamed dough to
5: form of pork bun. Let's get the It right was similar to here. that.
3: That's a very exciting description. Um, I yeah, it was good. It wasn't anything that I was just gonna you know roll over and die for though. Okay.
2: The China booth in general. I know it's always a really really popular place to stop at, but um, just. China in general at Epcot whether you're talking nine dragons restaurant or the food and wine booth It's nice to get that little sample, but you can find a million good Chinese restaurants anywhere true. It's something I mean, it's always it's pretty delicious, but at the same time skip it if you really want to get something else a little more unique Uh, this year My absolute uh, favorite right after the chew lab is the returning booth Dominican Republic Uh, This is where Puerto Rico was last year but um, it, I was they said they didn't have that dish. I can't remember what year they said Dominican Republic first made its appearance, but this is its only, it's a second year back, and it's got a beautiful little sitting area. It's all nice and shady. Uh, it's one of my favorite spots, and it had my absolute favorite dish that I had there, and uh, that was the, it's like a uh, pulled pork. Very roasted with uh, pickled onions and fresh avocado right on top, on almost something that was very reminiscent of like a, a cornbread. And this thing was just
6: packed with flavor. It looks so refreshing. Yeah, it's it looks it's so colorful, it's very bright.
2: Yeah, it was one of those ones that you felt good about eating it outside, even though it was ninety degrees. It's it wasn't sitting really too hard, and then I also got to try the weird yuca thing that they had there as well too, um, which was just phenomenal griddled cheese. You can't go wrong with that. Okay. I
4: do have something to say about this though, because he, you didn't have this when we were all there together. You had this, this when you went back the next day and he texted me and said that this was amazing because this was something I almost got the first day. Mm -hmm. Um, my complaint in general about food and wine this year is it's been very inconsistent so far over the first days, and I, that might just be because of the crowds or something. But when I went back Saturday night, they had the cast members who were just wearing those multicolored, like flag shirts, were the ones plating the food in the kitchen this time. Whereas when we were there Friday morning, it was only the chef. So, this the thing I got, the cheese griddle of this, none of this brown was on top. It was, see. it looked like everybody was like, Oh, did you get an egg? and i, like I was how like it looks like foie gras. If
3: i'm not yeah. wrong that's one of the vegetarian items too, right?
4: Yes. Okay, um, so this yeah.
3: is a vegetarian item that's available yeah. that gets so, approval.
4: And if you're going to, you know, so I, I hope you get it that it is
2: actually griddle cheese for me it was just plop down cheese on yuca. I mean, the is great. I love yuca. Well, you brought up you brought up a good point there that uh, inconsistent is a perfect word to describe food and wine this year. Not necessarily with the Food, but with how a lot of it's being uh, handled uh, at one point in time at the Dominican Republic, we went up to get food. There was like no line there. Yeah. So we thought score. Well, there's no line because Thank they completely ran out of food. Yeah, it <laughs> was the they couldn't day. say yeah. when they would have more. This is about one no? thirty
3: mm-hmm. middle of the wow. day. They ran out of food.
2: And
6: uh, that's yeah. bizarre. I know. <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. It was, it, you know, day one. I never are, heard
6: yeah,
0: that.
4: But, well, it, I mean, in fairness, the two items, um, like I, I did have some of Craig's, the first one when he got it that first day, again, I went back to this, I was like, this is amazing. We have to get this again. And it didn't deliver the second time because it didn't really have the pickled onions in it and stuff. But the, the, this booth had some of the most standout food individually there. Um, for me, I think like my favorites were, the, I agree, the pork belly in Brazil was awesome. Um... The um, duck I really liked in China because I like that bun and thing. And then when I went back the second night, I actually tried Scotland. And I was not interested in trying the haggis, but Eli wanted it. And um, so I had that in that seafood pancake. I I can't remember what it's called because I don't have my book in front of me. But um, both of those were actually really, really good and were plated really well, looked really great. Tasted awesome, so I I definitely recommend that because that's one of the first booths when you go in, and sometimes people I think skip by it because it had a long line. But
3: it was good. There was a cheese bread in Brazil that was that could have been addicting.
0: (laughs) All right, Michael and Stephen, this was both of your first times at Food and Wine Festival, so I'd like to hear from the both of you as a first timer. What was your perspective? Mm -hmm. Did it live up to your expectations? Were you disappointed? What did you like about it? What was your favorite thing? What was your least favorite thing?
5: Um, for me, I went in with no... only thing I knew about it was what you had talked about on the Diz all these years. So I went in just... I was really excited to try everything. And I have to admit, I went in late Saturday because my flight had just gotten in. And I was a little taken aback by the crowd. Mm-hmm. And it was hot and it was uh Been very crowded. hot this week, yeah. They would clearly... A lot of people had clearly been drinking. And so they, it showed in their um, personalities and behavior and all that. But I enjoyed it. It was just so much fun to walk around. And, you know, it, I thought some of the portions were a little. Expensive for what you got, Uh, you know. But I was telling Carol that the nice thing is, is that even if you don't like something, at least you're not getting this full portion, and you you feel bad about it. And it and it didn't fill you up a lot, so that you could go to a lot of different places and. um, you know, th- that was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner on Saturday, was just eating at all the different um, booths. One of my favorites, it was everything you've all mentioned were amongst my favorites, but in Ireland, I really enjoyed the lobster and seafood um, fisherman's pie, which it was very tasty. And and they had a warm chocolate pudding with a Kerrygold Irish cream um a sort of liqueur on it, and that was excellent.
6: The lobster pie, I would definitely say there's a warning with that because it is so hot. Like, yes. once you break that cheese or that whatever the topping is, mm-hmm. it is extremely hot.
5: Yeah, yeah, I had to let it cool down yeah. a bit. There were a couple of things I thought were, uh, you know, were overrated. Uh, you know, I've listened to Kathy Whirling. Every year, talk about that lobster roll, and I. So I. That was one of the first places I made a beeline for, and that's something I'd recommend people in the morning. I, go to the back of World Showcase because everybody's stopping at the first booth they see, and in the back, nobody had arrived there yet, and. I, th- I thought maybe it's because I'm from California so I'm used to fresh seafood. I just felt the lobster roll was
6: nothing special. You know what I I, when I saw that lobster roll this year, I'm like, what is that? It looked like a like a lobster salad yeah. like in, in a mm-hmm. bun. It, it's not what it looked like last year and it tasted like that too. It tasted like it just a, a it was tasting like celery and
1: yeah I, and I grew up going to Cape Cod as a kid every summer and so we get like real lobster rolls. Uh, and this was no real lobster roll. It was, uh, and it was the most. Ex- it was tied for the most expensive item. So uh, I would say it's definitely not worth the money. D- Disneyland sells a lobster mm. roll that's excellent,
5: and I thought, yeah, oh, I don't know what happened here. Another one I thought was overrated was something I was surprised about in Canada, and that was the filet mignon. And it really? might be because I I like my meat rare medium rare at most this was well done i mean they really made sure this meat was cooked so i didn't enjoy it very much
4: well i, I on that note again there was another booth that even had a warning sign up I, I can't remember which one it was but it said because because they were supposed to be cooking the meat really rare i think Corey was it had the venison it was my venison yeah. that
2: i had at new zealand which i mean bursting with flavor especially from the the sauce uh this it was excellent but whenever i started to take a bite out of it i was like okay if this yeah. is medium or less i'll be able to just yeah. do it in one piece but i could tell right as soon as i bit into it it's, it's well done cuz i yeah. couldn't even pull really? it apart well, yeah. i think they
4: just my emotions. leaving <laughs> they've just been <laughs> leaving the stuff like under the lights or again it's the people that are maybe plating they don't know so there's it's just it was, seemed a little panicked
2: that's all well it's just not cooked properly and that's that's a scary thing in terms of the the chefs i mean they're supposed to be experts right and it's not being cooked right
0: steven what was your impression first time
2: i really thought yeah there was
1: a lot of people and i that was kind of a bummer but there is a cool buzz kind of like mickey's not so scary has a cool buzz to it and having all those uh, the global marketplaces made it seem like how, you're like wow this is how epcot should feel all the time like i don't know i just felt like it was it kind of makes you think like when this is gone, I'm going to be like, Oh no, like what happened? Like, yeah, get that back. I like, well,
0: a lot of people feel that it, way. Yeah. I think. <laughs>
1: um, and so, yeah, I think, uh, overall I, I liked almost everything I had, uh, except for the lobster roll. I had a great time. Uh, and again, I just really liked
2: the buzz. Something yeah. important to mention as well. Uh, this year there's a lot of annual pass holder exclusives, including, uh, if you go, if you're an annual pass holder and you go, I believe three times, yeah, Michael, the, the, the third, third time, time you get, you get it. Day, yeah. I'll get yeah, you get a, a free port glass uh, that's really beautiful, has the logo on it. But then, of course, back in Wonders of Life, where they have the merchandise, the big uh, merchandise center, uh, there are uh there's a lot of exclusive items. But I wanted to wait in line to get an exclusive uh, vinyl mation that they had their Swedish Chef one that there was only twenty five hundred. I kid you not, because of the annual pass holder exclusives, I waited in line for almost an hour just to get this one item. Um, And there was people waiting there even longer getting up to the register and being told that their items were no longer available. There were two
6: people working the register with a
2: line like that.
5: I commented on that to them and they said
0: that that's normal. Just for the point of explanation, the Festival Center is pretty much like the the merchandise hub every year for food and wine festivals. Uh, Also, same thing for a flower and garden festival. And this is located in the Wonders of Life Pavilion next to Mission Space in in Epcot. And this is what it's used for now, these special events. It's kind of sad, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but how was the merchandise in general, though, in the Festival Center?
3: I thought that they had some really interesting things this year. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if this is the first year that they've had it, but it's the first year that I've noticed it. You can purchase these trays that make it No, much- they had
0: them last yeah, year. Okay.
3: Them. That, I mean...
0: You can purchase trays that will hold a wine glass and your food.
3: Yeah, hold your glass and the food, which is, I think, very smart. Because as we all know, table space is at a premium at this event, trying to get somewhere to stand and eat your food. Often you're like, you have to head over to the top of a trash can or some kind of wall or because there's just simply nowhere to go to set your food. Was
0: seating any better this year?
2: Absolutely.
0: Yes. Uh, it, yes, was yes, it was phenomenally
2: better. We never noticed any of those special reserved sections that we yeah, heard I'm about I'm not sure before, where the VIP
3: but. sections were that you're supposed to be purchasing, but there, there definitely was more seating, but you know, we, we know how the crowds can get. So I thought that you know this idea of the trays where you can walk and be able to manage everything efficiently and not be juggling so much is really smart.
0: Well, talk about the VIP packages for a second. Does anyone remember what they're going for?
4: I bet Craig could
3: find that information out yeah, for us,
4: because he's pretty handy like that. <laughs> While
3: he's doing that, they also I did notice that they were also selling this. And again, I'm not sure if this has been there in previous years, but they had a whole line of body care products in yeah, some been of there. the...
0: Oh, really? ...made of entirely uh, yeah, all some.
3: edible ingredients. Hmm.
2: Okay, sorry hmm. about that. Uh, the VIP uh, premium package, that... The reason why we didn't see it and it didn't affect us is because it's only available from noon to 8 on Monday through Thursday. So on weekends, they're opening up all that seating for everyone there. And that event did cost $199. And you also get the dessert party for illuminations and um, uh, seating for whoever's the performer for that night at the Eat to the Beat series. And uh, we also did notice another thing that was new this year was the tasting sampler Uh, credentials that cost $59 you get the credential and it kind of it was like the old um, dream fast passes that you used to get where they'd have like the lanyard and you just snap it off and give it to them Uh, it had different food items all around the place that you just snap it off and give it to them and that's how you paid your food so you didn't get that uh, you didn't get to get whatever you want you had to eat what they suggest but it also is an option if you want to get a general mix of everything they have available.
0: Okay. Now, um I assigned each of you $50 to do this cuz I wanted to see how well not you Michael cuz you didn't go with us but <laughs> um the rest of you I gave I gave you $50 each cuz I wanted to see how you did on $50. So tell me what that was like.
4: Uh, I'm cheap, so I'll go first. Um I I actually think it worked out perfectly. I honestly got to the last booth, and I, 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 I think I had like – I spent it perfectly. Like it ended – I think I had to end up paying like 75 cents for the last thing I got. But, um, And I don't feel like I was really being too reserved with it, to be honest. Like Craig and I did have a little like, okay, I'm going to get this. You'll try to
2: buy it, and then he got this, and I'll try to buy it. But we only did that like two or three times, and so I, th- I feel like it yeah. – did pretty well. I kept all my receipts, uh, with the exception of you had to loan me a dollar off of your card at the end mm-hmm. uh, for my final beer. I was able to get two beers and nine food items going around on fifty dollars. Uh, yeah, I try not to go over the five dollar mark, though. I, I look anywhere between the three fifty and five fifty if I'm going to splurge. But I didn't choose anything that was typically over five. And I mean, you can you can really maximize it in watching what other people get, knowing like, okay, that dish looks hearty. I'm going to go with that one
0: and you can be full. Yeah. Do you feel you got enough food? Yeah. Yeah. On I dollars. Yeah. I didn't I, eat dinner. Jenny Lynn, how about you? How'd you do?
3: I probably, I came in under, but I didn't get as much to eat as everyone else did. Um, so, I mean, I guess I did great. I But on the other hand, I do wish that I had maybe gone around and sampled a bit more than we did. That just... The weather that day was so hot and miserable, and it was one of those things that I, I, I just didn't feel like eating as much as maybe I normally right. would have if I had gone on a cooler I, cooler evening. I,
4: I think what helped us a lot too, I should say this, is that we did around a lap. We did yeah. we did a lap first for like photos and video, but we also kind of checking out the menus as we went. And and I would recommend this to somebody like maybe get yourself a drink or you know a margarita or something like in Mexico that outdoor thing, and then do the lap. And just kind of check it out, and then go back, or get like,
6: Corey, you're holding it right now. That um, well, I'm gonna give a suggestion before I okay, go cool. into what I ate. Um, I think before you even go into to start this uh, festival, grab one of these books. It um it has every location with a spot uh, where you, I'm holding it upside down, um, <laughs> where you can um, where you can get stamps on each of your locations that you go to, and it gives you the items that you can check off as you go. It's a cool little cool little book that helps you keep track. And grab one of these gift cards. Uh, we say it every year. There, you know, you can preload it with fifty bucks or hundred bucks or whatever. And, and they and
0: they they actually have an, a, an elastic band that right. will go around your your wrist, so you have it always with you. And,
6: and so as you go around, so if Pete gave us all one with fifty dollars on it. And as you spend, there's it'll show you your remaining amount. So you, you kind of know, okay, i I have three more booths to go to. I have ten bucks. How am I going to spend that ten dollars? Um, I, was, I, I, thought, I thought it worked out great. I got, I got a, an entree in Africa. I got the the lamb in Australia, the pork belly in Brazil. I got a beer at the Brewer's Collection, um, the Chew Labs. I got the New York Strip, Hawaii, the, the tuna poke, and also a beer, and the hops and barley, New England. Uh, the No, I got the uh, grass-fed beef slider and a beer. And then Ireland, I got the lobster and seafood pie. So that was it. I think I had 75 cents left.
5: And, and what I like about this book is it tells you the location of each of the booths. Because I at first I, th- cause I don't know where some of these places are because I don't come here all the time. But it will tell you what um, pavilion it's near or fits in between two pavilions. So it made it a lot easier for me to... To so, as a first timer,
0: were. you would absolutely recommend making sure you have, and they're, oh, they absolutely. hand them out free, right? They're free. Right? Yeah,
6: they're free. free. Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. At the merchant, any of the uh, merchandise locations that are the food and wine ones, like you can get them as you're going into World Showcase um, and then <coughs> at those uh, merchandises around it, too.
0: Mm-hmm. And for those listening, not watching, this uh, basically looks like a passport that just says food and wine on it and then has all this information. Mm-hmm. And, and if so, you're
5: an annual pass hold, like we were saying, in the back is where they stamp it, and on your third day, you get the free wine glass.
3: I think it's also I worth that. mentioning for those that <coughs> have never done the event before, if you're a Chase credit card holder or you have a Chase account, they have the Chase Lounge in the American Pavilion, which on especially hot days... You're going to want to have access to it if you're allowed in there and you go up a Did couple you, Were you floors. able to get in? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there was in a there wait too. for it, which is the first year that I've ever had to wait to get into the Chase Lounge, but it wasn't too bad. And um, they've expanded it a little bit. So there's the room where they normally have the freestyle Coke machines, and those are still there, and there was a there was a line for that. People wanted their free soda. And then there was the, the area that looks out with the windows and all the cushy seats and the couches. And then they have a whole new room that's available where they've put Disney Infinity. And that tended to be where the kids were and the families with the kids. They were in there playing the games and they had a few tables and chairs set up in there. But I thought that was good. Last year they had Disney Infinity in the same room as... The room where everyone just kind of wanted to sit and chill out, but you could hear this, you know, noises yeah. from the game the whole time. This time, this year, they've separated. It's an entirely separate room, and then they have a table there as well where there's a, a girl waiting or or a guy cast member waiting on hand. Um, it's kind of serving as a guest services to the people that go up to the lounge. You can make dining reservations and such. From oh a- wow. They'll Mm -hmm. make those dining reservations for you.
5: Cool. And they had a charging station for your cell phone. So while you're relaxing with your freestyle Coke, you can charge your phone.
3: Mm -hmm. And this year they also had a feature. This is not that big of a deal. But they would take your picture with some kind of special machine that they had and put your picture up on what they were calling a, and I'm putting in this in quotes, poster uh, that you could use and send out in your social media post up on facebook or tweet out this this picture of you with this border that says food and wine festival
5: they couldn't figure out how to turn it on when i was there oh, really? <laughs> they, were, they were calling um, you know it help for it.
0: <laughs> so what items uh were failures what items did that did you try that you did not like
4: i, I didn't i so i loved the duck in china and I was really excited because this picture looked really good of a slider they had there, of like a beef slider. I'm not a big red meat person, but, um, and I really didn't like, I didn't like the combination of the flavors that I think that was the one that stood out the most for me, for me.
2: Craig, uh, for me, there's never anything that I think is just like downright disgusting. However, it more or less gets into the, is this really worth the price that it actually costs? And I, I do think, there's quite a bit if not the entire festival is starting um to get more on the edge of let's raise the prices up a little bit each year by a quarter because they'll never notice and so you get to the point where you get like the the um the lobster roll for 750 and it's just not worth that ever Mm -hmm.
6: yeah i do have a winner for value for price and craig you had it but um disagree with me if you think but new zealand there's a, a lamb meatball with the spicy tomato chutney, that's for five twenty-five. It and was I, really yeah, that was, I think it's for the huge. value, the portion you get for that price, mm-hmm. that's my winner for that yeah. one. Yeah,
1: yeah, I had that. It was really it tasted really good too?
0: Right, and uh, I want to stick to what you didn't like. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't like, or I liked everything yeah, I had. Okay. Yep. Was
0: Same. there any, anybody did well, you I experience again, the anything? Lobs-
2: the lobster roll was definitely yeah. my
1: biggest loser. Um, I just, it just wasn't a lobster roll. It was like a lobster salad roll, like Corey said. It was. I mean, if that's what you're looking for, and that you're willing to pay 750 for that, then go out, go for it. But it just wasn't a lobster roll.
0: Now, Corey, given the way you eat, <laughs> fifty dollars.
6: You know, it, it was decent. We we kind of we kind of ran through pretty we kind of ran through pretty quick. Um, I, I think it was a decent amount. I wasn't really going in to get full. Um, I don't think you can go into this as getting full. It's more of an experience, um, like. I would have to eat probably 10 of those lamb meatballs um, just to get started. But I, I kind of go in as a sample. But for 50 bucks, I think I was able to order a lot of stuff. And I didn't do a lot of drinking that day, three beers, and these are tiny beers. Um, but it was more about the food. Um, but, you know, it wasn't really an entree I didn't like. I didn't like the way Jenny Linds looked.
3: Uh, uh, that, yeah, that's about I didn't, it. <laughs> I didn't jump in there with that yet. I, when we're talking about the failures, um, I <laughs> – I'm just really disappointed by how they handled the special dietary items this year. If all that you have to offer vegans is that vegan moussaka, whereas you're coming from having a whole booth from last year to only having that one item for vegans, that was a disappointment. And again, I ate it. It was fine. But um, if that's it, you know, that's it. That's that's a failure in my mind. They certainly had quite a few items that were great as far as gluten-free things go. You were eating tons of gluten-free things. Corey, I didn't even know it, and he, yeah. didn't, no, he couldn't tell the difference. He loved everything. Um, and the vegetarian stuff, you know, some, some of it was good. Uh, but really, uh, for me, like the failure, it wasn't necessarily the specific item. But in terms of vegans, it just – the lack of offerings – Compared to last year, anyway.
4: I, I just I want to say too, really quick, since this I, I, if this is where we're ending on the failure note. But I, with that said, I um, this food and wine is one of my favorite things at Disney, all of Disney World, all year to no look question. forward to. Yeah. So I I don't want what I said to sound like I had a negative experience at all. I mean, it was yeah, it was hot, and but this thing goes to the middle of November. Right. So I always tell people Halloween season that October is the yep. sweet spot, and mm-hmm. it. It, w- the only reason we're even talking about it the way we are is just because we're so experienced with it, so we can nitpick like that. That's, All right, so
0: let's. Uh, uh, before I get your ratings, I just want to mention uh, the Eat to the Beat uh, concert series <laughs> during, like, like they do during Flower and Garden, during Food and Wine Festival, a series of different acts, a lot of them from the '80s, uh, come to perform for a couple of days, and I think honestly, this is the best lineup they've ever had. Um, David Cook was just there. Wilson Phillips, uh, Christopher Cross. If you're my age, you're like, okay, that's Mm -hmm. really good. Uh, Starship starring Mickey Thomas, Smash Mouth, The Pointer Sisters, 38 Special, Rick Springfield, Sugar Ray, SOS Band, Air Supply. Oh, my God. Uh, Fuel, who I've never heard of. Uh, oh, come on <laughs> Tiffany wait, wait, wait. bless her heart bless her heart she's she's gone from she's gone from performing in malls to yeah. american like gardens theater uh Dennis D young i I'm, I'm gonna tell you something uh that's ten twenty six to ten twenty eight i'm gonna be there for that mm-hmm. I'm gonna be there for that He was the lead singer sticks and uh-huh. the man has the man has a virtuoso voice and if you're so inclined there was an album he put out if you're a big fan of like Broadway. Called Ten on Broadway. It was just spectacular. It's a great album. Uh, he does an acapella version of "On the Street Where You Live" from My Fair Lady, which was just incredible. So, uh, love Dennis DeYoung. This man has an amazing, amazing voice. Uh, uh, Jody Messina, uh, Everclear, Boys to Men, Sister Hazel, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, Hanson, Maxi Priest, and Chaka Khan uh, round out the uh, the the. the the offerings. So. I was
3: there for Wilson Phillips last night and they were fantastic. Really? They got rained out a little bit towards the end, uh, but they were Did you were see what I just amazing. did?
0: Out of habit. You see what I j- I went to go adjust just my glasses. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and they I
0: was wondering there. what you were doing to your eyes. Uh, like her- <laughs> um, so that's the E to the B concert series. All right. Uh, wrapping it up. I uh, want everybody, scale of one to 10, this year's Food and Wine Festival. Craig.
2: Seven.
4: I'm going to say an
6: eight.
0: Michael.
4: I'll say an eight.
1: Uh, I'll also say an eight.
6: Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna do a seven point five, and it usually gets better as the as the event goes. So I may end this event with a pure nine point (laughs) five. Okay.
3: (laughs) He took mine. I was gonna say seven point five.
0: So we're hovering between seven and eight, which is a strong mark, but absolutely not a rave. Uh, Sounds like there's some inconsistencies, some items that didn't work. Uh, I think the heat probably played a role in this for you guys so So I wonder going back when we're not in and I gotta tell you this past week or so has been the worst of the summer uh the worst humidity of the summer we've not had this oppressive humidity for a while and it's just been kind of kind of nuts so my 7.5 is a mix
6: between the heat and also we went on the first two days it was open so remember that these cast members are still getting their feet wet And they're dealing with the Mm -hmm. heat too. Right. So there's a, mine's a mix between that. Yeah. And some of it for me, I, I mean, when you say, oh, there's the seating, table
5: seating's better, I'm thinking, where were you? Pe- did you have to sit on the toilet? anymore? we didn't sit. Because, we didn't. I mean, you didn't I mean, sit. There but, was no
0: place to sit. Right. Well, there. You literally so there leaned were, on garbage cans. Well,
5: I know, and I think that's why it's so funny you bring up merchandise. They have salt and pepper shaker trash cans for <laughs> food and wine, and I thought this must be their sarcastic little nod. <laughs> but um, but that's I, a good point. it was. It was just trying to. Sometimes there wasn't even a place to stand and put food on, and that's sort of why I'm giving it a lower rating i mean there's plenty of room to put out even those tall you yeah. know lounge yeah. tables or whatever they call of the them. choir
0: we've know been that. saying it for years mm-hmm. um but at least they've gotten better apparently this year with more with more seating so Absolutely. let's yep. see. well you could always pay the 200 dollars a person and <laughs> get a get a place to sit all right that is going to do it for this week's show we hope you enjoyed it we'll be back with you again next week with another edition of the dis unplugged thanks for being with us everyone and remember stay out of the damn lakes have a good week